This episode is brought to you by FX's The Veil, starring Elizabeth Moss. FX's The Veil is an international spy thriller that follows two women as they play a deadly game of truth and lies on the road from Istanbul to Paris and London. One woman has a secret, and the other has a mission to reveal it before thousands of lives are lost. FX's The Veil, now streaming, only on Hulu. Hey everyone, welcome to From the Kitchen Table. I'm Sean Duffy along with my Christmas co-host, my partner in life and my wife, Rachel <laughs> Campos Duffy. What are, you, are you like making me Mrs. Claus today? <laughs> Mrs. Claus. Well, you've said I've started to look like Santa. So, uh, well, that's not true. You've, you've trapped a little bit. Well, I, have, of I have a white beard. I'm getting a white beard. Yeah. Anyway, oh, white hair. Oh, yeah. Too much in TMI. TMI. Yeah, too TMI right now. Um, well, it's so great to be back at our kitchen table. And, you know, Today, I'm getting a double dose of Raymond Arroyo Ooh. because we had Raymond Arroyo on Fox and Friends this morning, and he just wet our appetite on his book and on this hot topic that we're going to talk about today as well. We're going to talk about his book, but we're also going to talk about Father Pavone being, I guess, defrocked hmm. by the socialist Pope, Pope Francis. So let's, with no further ado, bring well, in our friend. Well, yeah. The New York Times best-selling author. I can't even tell you how many books have, have hit the New York Times the bestseller list. The author of list. Seen and Unseen on Laura Ingram's uh, Angle. That too. <laughs> and um, and of his new Christmas children's book, which is amazing. And so we'll get to that. But Raymond, welcome to the kitchen. Oh, thank you for having me. I'm glad you finished the sentence, Rachel, when you said Raymond Arroyo came on and wet our appetites. Yeah, I, I thought for a minute you were going to say <laughs> the couch. You say wet his pants? Yeah, or the couch or oh, something. I, I didn't know what you were going to say. <laughs> Here's my first question. If, if I can just turn the tables, you knew this would happen. Are you all really at the kitchen table? I want a, a yes. photographic evidence that you're there right now. Take a picture and text it to me so I can post this. I, I'll do that for you. I want to I see will. you all at you. the kitchen table. And well, then I, I want to know why, why well. wasn't I invited to sit on the kitchen table well, with I've you. Well, I've invited you to our home many times, yes. and you're always running around. You want to see your son. You've mm. got shopping to do. Laura Ingram has you doing shows. That's true. And you never make it over to New Jersey. But All right, I'm going to, to come. You. I'm going to come. Listen, the Arroyos the are always welcome. People don't realize how close the Arroyos and the Duffies are. The Arroyos and Duffies have actually vacationed together. That's how close the Royal Arroyos and the Duffies are. That, this is very up. true. Very true. In fact, I, I Disney World and and no, if if he ever lost his job at Fox, he could become a tour guide. <laughs> he was a great tour guide. We always mock him. Raymond would go through the park and he would whatever he had it was an umbrella or a little flyer of some sort. He'd raise his hand like a tour guide and wave the, whatever he had in his hand, shake this it about way, so we could follow all this way because it's a see listen, where he was. There's so many people like you can't wrangling. Tell. Cats. Well, the, yeah, the I mean, look, and the Arroyo. I only had four people. You all had like 30. So it's 34 <laughs> people and you're waving and you're trying to get <laughs> them all true. together. And and some want to go see the, you know, Lion King show. Other people want to hit Everest. And we've got to meet at the aquarium so we can get to the uh, Harambe, uh, you know, uh, whatever that is, safari tour on time. And uh, Disney is very stressful. I have to tell you, I, I my anxiety has dropped significantly since I've stopped going to those parks. <laughs> because I, Did you, you stop worry. going because it's woke? Because I honestly, I don't. Other than the Duffies, I don't know, and and maybe our neighbors, the Tuppers. I don't know anyone who's been to Disney more than Raymond Arroyo. That's yeah, true. I've been a lot. We well, look, we 
when you live in Louisiana, we'd go twice a year. My parents would take us, and then I'd go with our local CYO group. And sometimes we'd go three times a year. So, I, you know, you get to know it. But it's changed so much. I mean, it's like a lottery system. You're a refugee waiting for them to let you in at every attraction. You're talking about, like, how tedious it's become. But what's really sad is, you know, when we would go with all our little kids and the Arroyos when they were younger, Mm -hmm. I think back then, I mean, we could justify going and the hassle and the money and everything else because it was a respite from a culture that we thought at that time um, was really bad. Although right. it probably, probably seems pretty wholesome now to 10, 15 years ago. But it, but in any case, I would say that they've ruined this experience. There's really, it's not that cultural, you know, oasis of, no, of innocence not. anymore. And no. it's really hard to justify the hassle and the cost. And the expense. No, no. They priced middle class families and working class they families don't. out of the parks. I mean, it, it's it, it's like you could go to Europe twice for what it would cost a family of four to go to Disney World. I mean, it's and off maybe that's the charts. Why they've gone so woke. Maybe they're appealing to liberal, rich, white families. Well, this is what I understand, Raymond. <laughs> Maybe that's their market. Maybe. Because b- back in the day, if you look at the 80s, you had all these families that went to the park, but, you know, obviously if middle-class families can't go any longer, the the the, the park is still packed. I mean, you pay 150 bucks a ticket to go stand in line for two hours a couple times and then go back exhausted to your hotel room. Right. It, it's just, I mean, the experience is 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 not enjoyable. I'm just going to tell you one quick story. When I, when I went to the park after I won my first race to Congress, I promised the kids we'd go to Disney. Hmm. And we went, and they have the parade, multiple parades every day down the right. middle road. There. I, I was so used street. to parades and shaking people's hands. I felt like I had to get out in the Disney parade yeah. and walk down and shake everyone's <laughs> yeah, hands. Yeah, I had to I'm, tell them, no, no, I'm no. Shonda. You get to watch this one, Sean. Sit down. Shut up. S- watch the parade. Settle down. Mickey shakes way, hands, Sean, not you. Right. <laughs> right. That is the that is the trip where we lost a two-year-old. <gasps> oh, it was horrible. It was horrible. Oh, and dear. actually, Raymond, you inspired me when I was writing my book, you said use an experience that's happened. And that's why the little girl in my children's book, Paloma Wants to Be Lady Freedom, right. she gets lost in the Capitol. It's based on the fear. I mean, literal fear. I was making deals with God because I thought some pedophile had taken off with my two-year-old. Um, wow. but she got lost in the park. And luckily, like 30 minutes later, we found her. But it was scary as and hell. Then, and then we got multiple fast passes after that yeah. to go to the park, which is great. Yeah, Disney, <laughs> Disney it panned bad. out well. They, they could see we were traumatized, literally. We were like ready to cancel the trip. And they're like, no, no, we'll give you some fast pass. Anyway, we could talk about Disney all day long. But before, I want to talk about your book, Raymond. But before, I want to talk about Father Pavone. So, so, so if you're not Catholic... And certainly if you're not a conservative Catholic, you may not know who Father Pavone is, but Father Pavone is a priest who heads up. Um, uh, is he still the priest? Well, at this point? well, he shouldn't be calling himself a priest. The Vatican has rescinded the title. But a priest is marked forever, you know. They don't, for, for I mean, life, right? Right. So all they did was basically take away his faculties and, his, you know, he can't say public mass. But interestingly... If a life, why, Raymond, for those who don't yeah, know, well, why, Father, why Father, is he being defrocked? Yeah, Father Frank Pavone f- uh, co-founded a group called A Priest for Life. And for the last, I guess, 30-plus years, he has been the leading cleric and certainly the leading voice in the Catholic Church in America about the life issue. And he's galvanized clergy. Um, I think he's he's raised awareness, certainly among the laity, about the preciousness of life. He he has labored in the vineyard for a long time. That said, he also has gotten over his skis every now and then. He 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 had conflict, and I'm not telling you anything that hasn't been reported. 
Um, he had a difficulty with Cardinal Egan in New York who wanted him to be a parish priest. He said, no, I don't want to serve in a parish. I want to go out and preach. This is my calling, not to be in a you know lockdown in a parish. So he moved to Amarillo, Texas, to a bishop there who supported his work. That bishop moved on. Another bishop replaced him. And that guy in Amarillo was not too keen on Father Pavone or what he was doing. So they, they began going back and forth. So this seems to me... What they're saying is that it's blasphemous use of social media, whatever that means, um, and disobedience what is blasphemous to the bishop. Use of social media, explain. He sent a tweet out where he apparently, and again, the Vatican document doesn't stipulate, so we're speculating, but that we are imagining what they're talking about is he became very political, Father Pavoni, back Trump. Um, but look, if your issue is life and you're it's the pro life priest, yeah, it, I mean, you do say, well, this was the pro-life candidate, and everything that Pavone said Trump would do, he actually did. Uh, mm -hmm. And and so then you had the Biden-Trump race. Pavone endorsed Trump, which is probably a bridge too far for a priest. You, you know, rabid political endorsement yeah. is something they frown on. Because And here's why. Conservatives and liberals need salvation. And you alienate half the flock when you start saying Republicans need only enter the sanctuary here. Um, so mm -hmm. I get why they, they, they were a little annoyed by that. The Vatican or bishops might be annoyed. That said, we, every week, Rachel, and anybody who's watched my show on AWTN, I get tired. I'm sick of covering the financial and sexual abuse and uh, criminality that has swamped the Vatican in recent years. And not just, I mean, there's a financial uh, trial underway. A major cardinal is involved who's a friend of the Pope's, and they took his cardinal, his, his entire cardinalate away from him. And then the Pope returned it in the middle of this trial. So mercy is extended to some people and withheld from others. Frank Pavone did not sexually abuse anybody. He didn't steal from anybody. It seems all he did was send out a tweet that said, Joe Biden, you're a GD loser. That's what he sent out. Well, I could stand behind well, that. I, well, um, I mean, uh, but, but is it worth, <laughs> I mean, but imagine someone saying, okay, you're no longer a wife and mother. We're taking that away from you because you've gotten too political. <laughs> it's too, the penalty yes. does not match, the, match. The, the, the allegation or the crime here. I'm sorry. It's disproportionate justice. And so, so Raymond, what, what, should, what, so what, what, less than defrocking, could have they reprimanded him? Could have they, what, what other kind of penalty could happen? And just by the way, I'd like to comment. I served in the house yeah and you do have one party almost you know by 85 percent of them are pro-life republicans and the other party democrats there are no pro-lifers they are all pro-abortion 100 mm -hmm. and so you don't have much choice if your issue is life however i do agree with you priests can talk about the issue of abortion and Correct. probably not mention candidates you know i well, sometimes want them well, to he, can a well, he, he can well he can mention a candidate yeah. He's been. But here's where I here's where I stand on Pavone. I would say Pavone in politics, he has been 100 percent consistent, calling out so-called or self-proclaiming Catholics who are pro-choice. And I think he has every right as a priest to do that. And I don't know about you know calling them losers, but identifying them as pro-choice, which Joe Biden, as a Catholic who ran. With rosary beads, carrying rosary beads in his commercials, he has the most radically pro-abortion 
administration in U.S. history. Yeah. That is a fact, Raymond. Well, and I think and I think Pavone was reacting to that. And it, it, out of his concern, uh, Sean's right and you're right. You can talk about the issue and there's nothing wrong about talking about a candidate's positions and saying this guy is out of step with Catholic teaching. But it's quite another to engage in partisan endorsement of a particular candidate. And then they said that this is blasphemy to use, you know, you're a GD loser. Now, if that's blasphemous in a day and literally this week, there's an unfolding scandal at the Vatican where, again, another Jesuit friend of the Pope, this guy was excommunicated in 2020, okay, by a Vatican office because he had allegedly, and now it looks like it's it's, it's getting confirmed, but allegedly um, sexually abused nine nuns, okay? This wow. guy was excommunicated because he he dragged some of them into the confessional and gave them absolution so they wouldn't talk and forgave them for the sins they committed together. You can't do that as a priest. That is that's someone you laicize and throw out of the priesthood, okay? Guess what they did? They excommunicated him and weeks later they pulled it back. And guess who preached the Pope's Lenten retreat at the Vatican? This guy, this Father uh, Ripno, Ripko. It's unbelievable. So this is disproportionate justice being meted out. And I think Pavone has found himself on the wrong side of the the ethos and the politics in the Vatican today. Maybe another pope can lift this, but that's his only hope. They've said there's no what? appeal for this. No appeal. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. I mean, I just think he needs to wait this out. Um, God willing. Um, in our lifetime, we'll have another pope and we'll hopefully this person will you know, reinstate, he, he, reinstate Father Pavone the way, you know, Pope mm-hmm. Francis is reinstating all these perverts. And I got to yeah. tell you, Raymond, I've, I've been a proud Catholic, as has Rachel and you for a very long time. Yeah. But I got to tell you, I, when I when I talk to some of my other evangelical friends, mm-hmm. I, I kind of and I'm honest about this, I, I kind of shrug my shoulders a little bit and hang my head a little bit because what the pope is doing is so embarrassing well uh, for other, even, even other people of faith i i, and, I get it look, i see it and i think there's a perception that catholics are are like joe biden they're these liberal you know i'm okay you're okay there's i mean you don't read the bible like all these all those well worse than liberal you you're heretics you're pagans you heretics, don't believe yes. you don't believe yes. and that's just not true and and but here's what uh, here's what i have to say to everybody you go back to this is a this is a moment at Christmas when we go back 2000 years and we should do that. It's good because as we Amen. move out of Christmas into the Easter season, Jesus himself chose 12 apostles. 11 of them walked away from him. One of them sold him out. OK, that's about the average you get with bishops or anyone in leadership. OK, 12, you're going to get a, one out of 12. That's going to be the ratio of faith someone who actually stands by what Christ taught and tries to model it. Only John Raymond, stayed. That's, Ray, uh, yeah, that's right. Only John stayed. Raymond, that's why I had so many kids. I figured at least one of them will turn out <laughs> oh, well. No, you got <laughs> At least one of them will take care of me in old age. Your average is going to be much you're, better you're, than that. Your batting average isn't going to be very good. You only have three. Right, right. Well, that's but a real gambler. One of them's a girl. Yeah, yes. one of them's a girl, so you're, you know, that that bodes well for you being taken care of in old age. What, what bodes well for me is he married Rebecca. That's right. 
Yeah, she'll go on and on. She'll go on and on. as long as look, as long as she can order the depends and bring in the tapioca, I'm fine. I'm okay. I'll that's okay. what that's what that's what Joe Biden says. Yeah, that's right. Well, yeah. Ooh, that's quick. what he says in Delaware. We'll have more of this conversation after this. Since the 1970s, working class Americans and U.S. investors who saved wealth in dollars have seen the dollar lose over 80% of its purchasing power. In contrast, investors who diversified their cash into gold saw gold appreciate over 5,000%. For Americans who invested $50,000 in gold when America left the gold standard in the 70s, their gold is worth more than $2.5 million today. While gold carries no guarantees and past performance does not equal future results, investors who do their own research will see that gold's performance over this time span is what gold has consistently done in the face of eroding paper currencies. For over 15 years, St. Joseph Partners has built its business with a singular focus on helping investors diversify their wealth and protect their families in physical gold and silver you hold in your hand. Don't let your hard-earned savings go unhedged. Call St. Joseph Partners or go to our joint website, kitchengold.net, not .com. That is kitchengold.net and protect your wealth. Well, anyway, okay, so let's, you're, this is a good, tra- not, not the best transition to your book. <laughs> well, it is not and it isn't. You know why? Because we need but, hope. But it is. We need hope. Yes. And there's scandal and there's darkness and there's death and contradiction all around us. The devil exists. And that's what I see when I look at all of this. You know, just quickly, Rachel, I worked for, for a woman named Mother Angelica. Some of your people listening may know her, some may not. She was, was the first saint. She was an amazing woman. She was the first woman in the history of broadcast to found and lead her own cable network for 20 years. No other woman did it. And she was a religious nun, a sister, a cloistered nun. The bishops tortured her every day of her life. They tried to take her habit away. They tried to take over her network. They they really instigated a stroke, which she had in 2001, that confined her to her corner room in her monastery for 13 years. But, uh, you know, so when I watch this stuff play out, the ecclesial politics, that's the junk of the devil and and man. We have to look above that. And that's what I've tried to do through this book. That's what I think we have to do this season. Yeah, you know, it's so true. I was just telling Sean, my sister sent me a sermon from some priest. I don't even know who he was, but it was so good. And he was talking about, you know, the paganism and the sexual disorder that we see in our day is is something we saw in the time of St. Boniface, in the time of, you know, Our Lady of Guadalupe, when when Mexico was converted through, um, you know, through Juan Diego. Mm-hmm. Um, all We've seen this stuff before, and, and it, he really challenged the us to listen to really think of things differently to go you know what this is actually an exciting time to be alive you an bet. exciting time to be light and joy in this world and that there is hope and that's precisely what i do love about what you do through your book but really through everything else that you do raymond i i really think that you are a ray of light and you are putting so many wonderful and beautiful things out into the culture and this children's book at christmas time um, re revisiting the story of the nativity and specifically of the three wise men um, does just that. So why don't oh, you take us you. on that journey? Well, I, I love what you said there because, you know, Guta has that great line. It's one of my favorites. And he says, light, where light shines brightest, there are long shadows. 
And that really is the story of all of our times. It's the story of every moment in history, whether it's Jesus's time or our time. There is darkness around. And remember, and, and this is why I wanted to situate the wise men in this book, uh, you know, the wise men who found Christmas. They find Christmas stumbling in the darkness, uh, Sean and Rachel. They find it with glimmers of light coming in and going out. That's like your life and mine. Inspirations come If we don't heed and listen to those inspirations, that still small voice you hear in prayer or or when you're in the shower, when you're driving to work, if you're not heeding those little God moments, you miss the opportunity. The light goes out and it may not return. And in the case of the wise men, I thought this is a great allegory when you dig deep and you look at the historical reality with the gospel story, it tells one tale, and it's beautiful, and we've lost it in time. And it's dangerous. It's just as frustrating as the situations we've been discussing in some ways. I mean, these guys knew. They've been waiting years, reading the Jewish prophecies of a Messiah. They are looking to the sky. And, you know, there's a prophecy, we never read it, in Numbers. It's in the book of Numbers, and it says something like, a star, you know, I see him, but he's not near. A star will rise and a scepter shall rise from Israel. It's very clear in numbers, that that prophecy. So they were clearly looking for a sign that would rise in the east over Israel. Okay, that's what they were looking for. And they find it. One day, this unmistakable, unique astral event, we don't really know what it was. Was it planets coming together? Was it a comet? We don't know. There are many candidates, but that's immaterial. The fact is they saw and believed the moment had come to confirm the prophecy. So they get on their horses and they run after that light. They chase that truth. They go after that Messiah. And that's how we should approach Christmas and every day of our lives. Be looking upward for that light, that inspiration, that calling, and then get on your Palomino and ride out. That's your duty. It's the obedience to truth. It's an obedience to truth. And that, to me, is the message of the wise men who found Christmas. And and I wanted that adventure, that sense of danger. You know, these guys weren't—I hate that they are always portrayed as three old tired kings on camels doing a gift drop-by. They're not. They're not. Doing a gift drop. Yeah, it's not. that's not—this wasn't a, a holy bridal shower, you know, a baby shower. Here you go, Mary. Here's some gifts for the kids. Thanks for having us. It, that's not what this is. They are risking their lives by going to Herod, and they knew it. Herod had killed oh, yeah. three of his sons and a wife— which I knew nothing of until I delved into this, to protect his throne. And, of course, he killed thousands of other people, too. But when you're willing to kill your family— There was child sacrifice involved. I mean, like, essentially, after after Jesus is born, Herod, so enraged, actually kills every, you know, firstborn son in that town. Correct. You know— so I'm going to tell you this. So you and Rachel were doing a, uh, a live stream. Was that a podcast at Fox? When he first launched it. No, it was, a, it was a live book signing, and, and Rachel was live nice enough signing. to host it. It was awesome. So the, the two of you did it together, and I was in the building, and I was down in Rachel's office because I don't have an office. I just mooch off of her. And so, <laughs> Oh, wait a minute. Sean were... is getting an office. He's, he, just, he has a Ooh. show that's Well, now with his big Fox business show, of now course. Now with his so. big Fox business. But he's on the, he's on the business I'm, floor. I'm on the... I'm one floor below Rachel. Oh, <laughs> oh dear. It's, it's a metaphor for it. It is. 
but but that was not my point with this story. I was in Rachel has been nice enough to let me use her office. I camp out there as if it was my own. And I about ten minutes into your guys's uh, live book signing, I came down and walked in the room, and you guys are yeah, talking. Yeah, he's trying to and, he's trying to ra- wrangle us to get out to go to dinner. Right, I remember. I, could, I sit down. And I'm, I'm telling this to our, to our listeners because I sat down and started to listen to you talking about the story and the conversation you two were having. And I meant to stop by for a couple of minutes. I stayed the next 50 minutes. No, then he started chiming in with questions and, and he really wasn't part of the, the show. Yeah, he, well, he crashed my, he crashed my damn it. signing. He crashed it. And I got to tell you, so there, there are a lot of books. And I say that because I think there's a lot of books out there. There's a lot of Christmas books out there. Yes. And you Not have enough. those few no. special books that you go, you know what? This is a great story. It's adventure. It's Christmas. It's Wiseman. It's not camels, not old tired kings. It is horses. I I sat, I, I love, I was enthralled. Oh, I love it. So if you look at this book, it's so again, so if I, again, I'm I'm just like, maybe I'm just a child at heart, but this is great for your kids. Well, we this all is are. Great for you, right? Well, we all are. We and all are, Sean. I, and we should be children again at Christmas. We be. In the that sense that we have wonder and awe, and that's what this story yes. did for me. As I researched it, I, I, my mind was blown. First of all, who knew that? That I'll just give your audience a quick rundown. That we think they're three kings from the far east, and that they were, um, you know, uh, uh, what are we three kings of Orient are? Um, yeah, we th- three kings from the far east. They were none of those things. There were not three of them. There were many more than three. Uh, they were not from the far east, and they were not kings. They were magi. The gospel talks about magi, wise men. Those are consults to kings. Okay, so they served a king. Where were they? First century sources, Clement of Rome, Justin Martyr, um, Eusebius, they, oh, Eusebius, they all say the wise men came from Arabia. Well, where? Where in Arabia? Arabia is a, a very slim place. Modern day Saudi Arabia and Jordan, the kingdom of Nabatea, it was called, and the headquarters were, was modern day Petra. So that's where the story opens in my so book Jordan. and in so history. Mo- modern day Jordan. Modern right? day Jordan in Petra, um, where they carve the buildings into the sides of mountains. They're so cool. And it's still there. You can see it. But once I saw that and figured out who these guys were, where they were, then you ask yourself, why these gifts? And why do they, how do they move? It's only a 300 mile journey. It's a three day journey to Jerusalem. It's not long, it, it, it's quick. They very likely got on since they were serving the king. The kingdom of Nabatea had introduced Arabian horses, bred horses, a hundred years before Jesus. That was the Tesla of the day. I am convinced that's what they would have ridden to see the Christ child because they wanted to get there fast. They're not on some slow pokey uh, camel. That was used to carry freight and pack, not people who were in a hurry. So. I love that in the middle of the book, you have the three wise men on those horses running out, and it gives it a sense of adventure. And who do they go to? They've got to go to Herod first. And that is a risk to their own lives, and they knew it. All of that is just, and I believe there was so a religious much adventure impulse. in this book. You know, it's, it's, we were talking earlier in the show about um, Disney World, and yeah. one of the, my, my peeves about Disney World, it's what I love about it, but it also, if you have sons, it's one of the things you don't like about Disney World is it, it's so feminized, right? It's becoming mm-hmm. so feminized. And what I love about the way you tell this story and the adventure in it is that 
the person who loves this book the most is my six-year-old son. I oh. mean, he just thinks it's amazing that there's horses. You, you blew all of our minds, but you really blew this kid's mind be- because it. he really thought it was camel. And we talked about the horses and he just loves the adventure in it. And I love that you didn't sort of like, you know, so many of us see the Christmas story. And as you said, it looks like uh, like a really boring uh, bridal shower. Yeah, <laughs> or yeah, baby, yeah shower, baby shower. Right? No, it's, it feels it like a baby like, shower. It feels like a baby shower and it's painted and everybody looks so, so quiet and like they're, you know, really, you know, pacified. I mean, your story is an adventure. And when you really think about it and when you really look at the kind of deep research that you did that was so impressive around this book, of course, it's not that you made up the story as an adventure. It's that the story was an adventure. Yeah. Well, I hope your son and you all will sit and watch the Fox Nation special. It's only like 25 minutes. And oh, go ahead, yeah. Sean. Oh, that's, right. that's right. No, that's right. I, f- I forgot about that. Yes. Yeah. I, we talked uh, we about it today on the show. We haven't watched it yet, but we should pull it up at, most yeah. definitely. Well, do it at Christmas. You know, read the book. You can read the picture book, and it's we kind of a companion. Yeah, but it's a companion to the the book because look, you can't get into deep research and first, uh, you know, uh, century theology and and archaeology with children in a picture book. You got to tell a good story. I hope that's what I've done. But I wanted to capture these amazing amazing, brilliant researchers and theologians and and uh, astrologers whom I consulted, or astronomers, rather. I always say astrologers. <laughs> they don't read the Zodiac. <laughs> they actually are reading. Point. Yeah, they're the science of the stars. Uh, but I consulted them. That's you and Nancy Reagan. That's right. Nancy Reagan and I are reading our, <laughs> our horoscope. I won't tell you what your horoscope says today. Leave your husband alone. <laughs> let him move to the upper floor. But anyway, um, no, it's, it's uh, uh, it, uh, what I loved about it is I was able to feature these people that I had read so deeply and consulted with. And in a concise special, you get from the horse's mouth, so to speak, uh, the rich depth of their uh, research, and it kind of puts it all together. I marry the story with the research, and you get to see me on horseback. So, I mean, it's worth the price of the free it's Fox Nation <laughs> membership. So you, know what you know what? It's just that interesting that it. you said you were talking about. You're talking about your special. We've been promoting, um, and and rightfully so. Pete Hegseth yes. has a great special where he traveled to the Holy Land with his pastor and and sort of told the story of Jesus through yes. the places um, that he was in Israel. And so, you know, I've been thinking so much, Sean, I've actually been talking about just how lucky we are to work for a network that makes room for a thing like, you know, the, the story of the wise men that you did or, you know, the story of Jesus, um, you know, as told through, you know, Pete Hegseth and, I his, agree. and his pastor, that we have segments, you know, just this morning, you know, we're telling hard, you know, hard hitting news about the border and about what our government is doing and the FBI. And in the middle of that, you know, we have Raymond telling the story of Christmas through his his book. I this Christmas, one of the things I am most thankful for is that I work for um, Fox News and that we have these kinds of opportunities to. Uh, not just tell the news, but tell the story, uh, you know, the whole story of who we are and what our values are I agree. and what drives all of us um, in terms of what we do in our lives and our families. Well, I think Fox and it, it, they're they're responding to an audience. And I've said this for years. The audience, they are people. They 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 want something larger than what they see. They know there's something more than than, you know, grabbing all you can in this life. And 
for those with a deep faith, they want to pursue that faith, and it is the driving force of their lives. It governs and moves all these events we cover. So to ignore that, you ignore a huge part of the not only American, but human experience. So I love that Fox is willing not only to cover faith in the news as stories, but to allow us to go deeper into these inspirational inflection points and to bring this history to people that otherwise would be lost, Rachel. And I, I'm kind of upset that after 50 years, no one told me about these wise men or what the gifts meant, you know, frankincense, gold, myrrh, where they came from. I didn't know what frankincense and myrrh was. was. I, I have to be honest. I knew incense, but myrrh? I didn't know where it came I did. from. I did. It was. It's. A, it's an oil, right? Right. It's an oil. It's a medicinal. But, but I didn't know it came from tree sap that it grew and uh, that only grew on these southern Arabian trees, and that's why you know they came from this right. kingdom of Nabatea. It was the com- yeah, it was the right. thing and the uh, the commodity that they were known for, and gold, so of course. Know- the the so Midian mines. Your your family, um, and and my family are also connected. We're connected on so many levels. We're connected as friends. We're connected yes. as fellow Catholics and Christians. We're also connected because it, we're both. You come from Hispanic family, so yep. do I. But you come from Louisiana, <laughs> and Sean and I through, uh, you know, Sean through marriage, um, and and I through my own background as a, having a mom from Spain and a father who's Mexican American. The three wise men um, and, and Epiphany, January 6th, which has a very different meaning for me and you yeah. than it does for, well, well, for that's our what government. I said. We're reclaiming January 6th. We're going to reclaim This is the January original 6th. January 6th, the Epiphany. I, I, exactly, the Epiphany. And that is called Three Kings Day. And in Louisiana, y'all celebrate it a lot. And we celebrate it as Hispanics. Um, but it's like in our family, it's like another Christmas. Well, it I is. Mean, we celebrate yeah. it with the same gusto. You know, the three wise men bring our kids. They don't gift. get as many gifts because what they get in our family, Raymond, is everyone gets every the 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 three wise men who come in camels. But who knows? Maybe they're really come. They came in horse on horses. I don't right. know. The hay we feeds all the, of them, Rachel. Yes. Well, we they, my children put uh, sugar in their shoes and they put it under the altar. And the three wise men bring three gifts for each child, just as they brought three gifts for the baby Jesus. Oh, so sweet. It's such a sweet tradition. I love that. I love that. I love the king cake because, you know, they get the cake and they have to find the baby in the cake, just like the wise men were searching for the baby. And the one who gets it, I mean, this, you know, this is kind of a French tradition, but um, the one who gets the, the baby in their cake, they get crowned. They are the king for that week, and the following mm-hmm. week, they have to host the king cake party the next Friday. A party. Yeah, yeah a party for all party. their friends and kids. So it becomes like an ongoing remind. It's really an extension of Christmas all the yes. way to Lent. It's the 12 days of Christmas. It That's is. what it was. And more. It's the 12 yeah. days of Christmas. Yep. It starts on Christmas, and so all those... All those people who throw their trees out on New Year's Day. Um, well, the day I ne- after Christmas, they throw them Or sometimes right. the day after Christmas. I don't understand. Christmas continues at least through Epiphany. Um, and certainly Christmas and, should remain in our And my tree heart. stays up until the needles are off at Raymond. Yeah. <laughs> they, last year, I shook them all off. And usually you're concerned about getting your needles all over the house as you take your tree out. Yes. It had no needles. Oh, my. There were yeah, no needles. Okay, the, the, oh, no. The dog had consumed them all. Oh, that's good. All the pine shacks gone. Wait right there. We're going to have more of that conversation next. Listen, Raymond, I, 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 
I thank you for writing the book and bringing life and zest and stories uh, into you know into the Christmas season, but also a reminder. I love how you talk about darkness and light, which is exactly what we're going through right now. We're in right. the darkness and and coming into the light of but the birth Raymond of is a light in the darkness. He really is. Well, we have and, to keep and, and looking for the light, light and, too. Um, I would just, you yeah, know, I, th- I think and we, I would say that if if. Uh, Go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, no. You go. You continue. It's your show. No, I shouldn't. No, I was be just gonna say. Because no, I think no. You should. You listen. I expect that from you, Raymond. Come on. <laughs> That's what we do. So no, but but I, if, if you're looking for a gift, and I don't, and I, I don't hawk any goods at, at all. Yeah, but you I, do. If, you, ha- you hawk the All American Christmas box book, year. and so we can and get it was on a great the Yes, but that's one, right. This book. If you're looking for a gift for, it can be a child, but also an adult. Yeah. It's actually a really cool Christmas gift and book that tells a fascinating story in the season for which we celebrate, which is what you normally don't have. And it is that reminder of, hey, everybody, this is not Santa Claus. This is not, you know, just presents under the tree. This is actually the birth of Christ mm. and what happened 2,000 years ago. And this book is a reminder of that, which is why I love these these little pieces that we can pull together that remind us um, what this great celebration is about. Anybody who knows me knows that I love to collect children's literature. And I have a little special section for children uh, for Christmas books within my little library for, of children's literature. And Raymond, it's so great to have your book this year as part of my children's um, Christmas collection. Uh, well, it's important. Look, those traditions, I always say this, Rachel, it's so important. And, you know, we have your book, and it's so important to share those moments with children, to read to them. Because as important as the book is, and obviously we pour a lot of time, love, devotion, you squabble over this design or that design and put that illustration there and the font's too small. But at the end of the day, the reader provides half of the journey. And I, I write these stories not so I can express myself or even share history with people. It's really so that mothers and fathers and children and grandparents and those children can have a shared experience together, have a literary adventure where they begin to share their own perspectives, values, and most importantly, time and love together. That is what builds a culture mm-hmm. and a family and our future, nothing else. I, so I see that as an important that mission. It's so true. And can I tell you, that it reminds me of, you know, little Valentina, our youngest, hmm. uh, has Down syndrome. She's nonverbal. Um, I'm not sure how much when I read to her, she understands. Mm-hmm. But I'll tell you what she does do, Raymond, and it's going to make you want to cry. Mm. <laughs> if I sit in our, I call the room where I have all the books and where I like to read to them, I call it the library. Huh. When I sit in there, she climbs up onto the couch and she cuddles up next to me with with the book because she knows that with the book sitting next to her mommy is a special moment. Right. And um, and that's, I think, what you're talking about. That is exactly writing books. Yes. No, it's exactly what I'm talking about. And, you know, there's a lot of studies about the time spent. Yes, there's a lot of brain development in, in you know, the, the words and, and recognizing words and language. But there's also a whole emotional and, um, and human growth that happens in the proximity to someone who loves you, sharing a story and taking time with you. That touch, that bond, it's irreplaceable. And as you, Rachel, and I am crying, as you know, <laughs> that moment with your child, it's such a fleeting moment. 
It comes mm-hmm. and it goes. A few years, it seems like forever. It's really not. And you, it's so important, I think, for all of us to grasp those moments and take them and and uh, go on that journey with our families and take that time. It's the most important time you'll spend in maybe yeah, all your Christmas life. Gives us, and Christmas gives us, you know, those days off to really kind of yep. to really indulge in that. And that and, and, and I love that. And I, I do believe there's something some special bonding. Um, and beautiful moments that happen they're, they're, in the midst of that. There, there, there truly is. And so, Raymond, thanks for giving us a little adventure at Christmas. Oh, taking us off you. our little seats and going back two thousand years and jumping on some horses and yeehaw, <laughs> riding, hey. riding to the Christ <laughs> there, Riding there, to Bethlehem. There's a reason Yellowstone is so popular. You know, there's something That's romantic right. <laughs> about that and kind of you know going into the frontier. That's what these wise yeah. men did. They went into the it's unknown. True. They were threatened. You know, they were threatened, and they still moved toward the light. And that should be our watchwords this Christmas. Go and go and find Christmas. Chase it. Don't let it just kind of wash over you. That's not what we're called to do. You know, oh, before, I love before, that. Before love we that. let you go, Raymond, yeah. the real light in all of our lives is uh, your wife, Rebecca. So tell us what the Arroyos do for Christmas. This is a couple traditions that you guys have that makes Christmas special in the Arroyo house. Well, I can't tell you everything we do in the Arroyo house, but I'll tell you the things that <laughs> I'll tell you the things I can't <laughs> well, we discuss. Can't, yeah, we can't tell you either. I know there's certain things you can't discuss on air, but um, well, we're having everybody over to the house this year, and Rebecca is, I know, like Rachel. Uh, you, you know, mom has to help Santa on so many levels, making sure everything is turned in on time and getting all the orders in and and then, you know, coordinating the drop off and everything. So Rebecca is so good at that. She makes lists. I'm the disorganized chaos, you know, that I am just uh, my desk is a disaster. It's piled with books and papers and cars. Rebecca, the rest of the house is immaculate. You know, she she confines the chaos to one room. So that's a B. She goes out of her way to de- – I mean, I put the tree up. She really decorates everything else, and it's impeccable. So Rebecca preserves – and I think moms do this – not only the the vision of Christmas, that the visuals for us, but also the smells of Christmas on Christmas morning. Mm-hmm. You know, my mom makes her oyster dressing. Rebecca makes the turkey and, and her carrot casserole and those things. Um, those are familiar and important touchstones, not only for me, for the children. Um, and, and now that I've got, you know, one living in one state and one in the other state and only one at home, you know this, you're beginning to have the, you know, the, the, the empty nest or partially empty nest. (laughs) Um, they, but when they, you, it's lovely that they want to come home because they want to reconnect to those things. And Rebecca really is the keeper of the heart of the family, those traditions, those, um, smells and 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 visuals and of course the love that she expends through all of it so you know she is kind of the silent partner because she doesn't like to you know be on the be on the showboat but uh, though she could i tried to encourage her to over the years because she's far smarter she was, and more she, hilarious she than comes I am. from the theater world i know i know but she's very she's gotten very reluctant uh in 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 these years so maybe i can pull her out of the shell sometime you, you have to worry though because you know what will happen i'll bring her on and then she'll completely take over the show and i'll have to retire but maybe that would right. be exactly she's, <laughs> no she's great you know she's a lot of fun she's but I, think awesome. you, I think you hit the nail on the head i do think uh, this is this is the story of families all across america where yes dad puts up the christmas tree and yes he does a few things around the house maybe throws some lights up outside yes but but 
but the real magic of of Christmas, you talk about the the, the smells and the, and the look of the of the yeah. house with the decorations inside. It all most of it comes from moms that that make that happen, and it's that that's it's that comfort yep. that I think we all like. The memories that I have of my house growing up in Christmas are such fond memories. And you can see your own kids wanting to come back and experience that in, right. in the homes that we've now created, which is, is so wonderful. And it's, and again, some people just, you know, have a day to get together. Uh, but others like us are celebrating something quite profound. Sure. Um, and it's that much more special when you have your family, but also this faith that we've shared with our, our, our kids I agree. Uh, that we're able to celebrate. Well, the it's the heart. Of, it's reality. Uh, it's 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 something they have to. T- it's the gift that keeps yeah. on giving. You know, if they have faith and they take that from the family, they have a foundation and a bedrock for all their relationships, for all the woes and the joys they'll experience in their lives. And, you know, when you were talking, Sean, I kept thinking that Sinatra song, which also makes me cry every time I hear it. It's called Christmas Memories, and he recorded it late in like the 60s. And there's a line in that song where he says, I close my eyes and see all the children with shining faces who now have children of their own. I always cry when I hear that line because it's so true. You know, and that's what we're here for. We're not here forever. We're here to be like no. those wise men. We're just you passing have, through. You're pa- well, you've got a part in the journey. You have a job to do. But really, you're passing this truth and this light on to the next generation. That's yeah. your only job, really, to help make whole, loving, holy people who can be good citizens and continue this journey. That's all you're here for. And I think sometimes people worry about their own, you know, anxiety levels and myself and me, and I need to live separately so I can find myself. No, you find yourself in a family, as you (laughs) all know. And I always say, Raymond, that, you know, everything God does is so intentional. Uh, Jesus could have come into the world in any form, in any way, and he came through a family. Hmm. Clearly, Jesus, God, wanted us to learn something um, through a family. And I think you're absolutely right. You find yourself through your family. um, And and we're just so blessed to have, I I just think I'm so grateful to to be Catholic. I'm so grateful to be Christian and to really understand that, you know, this holiday is not just about, you know, decorating and seeing grandma or whatever it really is a birthday party um a, a birthday party that will lead us to heaven hey Raymond, before i let you go what was the name of the frank i'm just i'm, oh, I'm, I'm christmas already looking up this song christmas memories and i'm so glad you are and let me tell you every time i hear it's a very it's a mel i have to admit it's a melancholy song it's not a kind of howl out the holly it's not that kind of song it's a it's a it's a man looking back on the Christmases he's known and and those he's having now. Um, but that line always get. I'm in the car listening to it, and I always break down crying. <laughs> it's just one of those <laughs> triggers. But look, I love you guys so much. I love our friendship. Love you too, and And that you've allowed me the time on the podcast and, and that we've been able to share some fun times in front of the camera. And I hope we have many more in 2023. Raymond Arroyo, God bless you, and Merry Christmas to you and your family. Thank you for joining us at the kitchen Merry table. Christmas, Merry Christmas, guys. Raymond. Next time I'm coming to the kitchen table, and I want to eat. Yes. You better. You're coming to you Jersey. Better. I want lunch. All right. Bye. <laughs> Great, Raymond Arroyo. Thank you for joining us. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. You know, Rachel, I, I, again, I just, I, I, we talked about his book, but I, and I, there's not that many books that get me going. I guess I love Christmas, and I, I love how love he, he um, brought this story to life and kind of redid it in probably the way it really happened. Uh, which is which is so cool and 
I, when, whenever you listen to Raymond Arroyo, and it's, we're blessed to have him as our friend, he brings so much, you, you said he's a light and he is because he brings so much passion and so energy. I was going to say, when we were at the start of the podcast, we were talking about Disney. And um, I feel like after we were all in the park together, the Duffies and the Arroyos, at the end of the day, I felt like one of the kids. I'm like, I'm so darn tired. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm, exa- I'm dragging brought, my he feet. He's and also Raymond, very opinionated Raymond, about it. But Raymond, but he kept his energy he kept and his, his energy fun. Up. But he also but, was, he, he would say, oh, oh no, prominent. we're not doing that right. That's dumb. Well, come on, everybody, we're going this way. <laughs> he, was you little, know, he, <laughs> he was a little Mussolini. Yeah. yeah. But he was a happy Mussolini. He's a happy Mussolini. <laughs> He's a happy little dictator. We took his recommendations on most of it because there was so much to see. He knows that park. He knows what's good. You know, the other fun thing is going out to dinner with Raymond. And if you have a few cocktails in you too, boy, that's a fun dinner. Oh, oh good. One time I went out to dinner with Raymond and he brought these nuns. And they were drinking too. Oh, <laughs> they were drinking little limoncellos, and uh, yeah, it was fun. No, he's fun. I, and I, I uh, one of my favorite segments on the Ingram Angle is when he comes on and, and does his segments. It's, it's so much fun. So he is he is light, and you know what? Seen I, and I, unseen. You, you you hear him, but he's he is so so deeply steeped in the Catholic faith and knows so much about the church and follows this. Um, more so than anyone that I, that I know, and is always a great resource to kind of go. What is going on? Oh, yeah. Raymond? No one knows more about what's happening at the down. Vatican. And you it, know what? That's interesting. You say that, Sean, because he does know all all the dark stuff, he does. you know, more than any of us know. And in so many ways, he knows that he knows the underbelly. And yet he is such a faithful Catholic. He understands, just as he was explaining earlier, you know, that that the the warts that we see on the church are not the church, you know, that, um, you know, he understands that it's eternal. And um, and he, he doesn't let that stop him. The you know, the, the, the bad stuff he knows because he knows so much good as well. And he, but he also doesn't say everything that he knows. Right. Uh-huh. He, he, which is a, a faithful act on his part to yeah. go. I'm going to keep some of the stuff behind us anyway. Although he's pretty forthcoming on Fox and Friends this morning. <laughs> well, I got to go back and watch that. Yes. Well, uh, listen, I want to thank you all for joining us and having a little conversation with Raymond Araya. We're only a few days away from Christmas. Um, we're going to have one more podcast, too, uh, coming up here before Christmas, just you and I, Rachel. Let's, but Let's do what Raymond said, Sean. Let's chase after Christmas. So let, let's not let it wash it. over us. Let's chase it. Okay. we got five more days. Let's chase it, baby. We're going <laughs> to chase you around the No, no, don't chase me here. around. You've done enough of that. All right. <laughs> All right. Listen, everyone, if you like our podcast, you can rate, review, subscribe, wherever you get your podcasts. Um, give us high marks. And uh, listen, we thank you for joining us until tomorrow. Uh, have a great yeah, night and podcast um, Merry Christmas. Listen ad-free with a Fox News Podcast Plus subscription on Apple Podcasts. And Amazon Prime members can listen to the show ad-free on the Amazon Music app. All right. Merry Christmas, everybody. This is Jimmy Fallon, inviting you to join me for Fox Across America, where we'll discuss every single one of the Democrats' dumb ideas. Just kidding. It's only a three-hour show. Listen live at noon Eastern or get the podcast at foxacrossamerica.com.